Thanks for listening to Draw Near with Fred and Kara. Before we get into today's topic, we have uh, some cool housekeeping things to share. We think they're cool. Yes. Hopefully other people think they're cool. I think cool. so. Um, so Fred and I are going to be hosting a live Q&A mm-hmm. um, for all of our patrons, so all of our supporters. I don't recall the date. We don't have a date yet. So we on our Patreon page, we, are, we took a poll and everyone gets to kind of decide what date works best for them. There are benefits that we want to do better at yeah, for our patrons. For our patrons. As we move forward. Yeah, one of those is being able to live chat with us. So we asked people to bring um, questions, bring our, our patrons to bring questions. And it can be anything. Like it can be about the faith, things that we haven't really covered on Draw Near, um, or it can just be about our lives. Yeah. What's your favorite movie? Everybody knows yeah. it's Princess Bride. That's already given away. There is no other yeah. movie that could be a favorite. No other movies exist in the entire world. Yes. Um, I One time we, we did this retreat and the middle schoolers really got a kick out of it at the end of my talk. It was just, ask me anything. Mm-hmm. And so like that was the most engaged in the entire... I should have... That's a little humbling actually. Yeah. Because it was a lot of random questions like, what's your favorite Pokemon? Mm-hmm. What's your favorite Star Wars? And it was all these questions that they were all getting excited about. So if you want to ask us questions like a middle schooler, mm-hmm. those are welcome too. I mean, you're basically a big middle schooler. You probably got really nerdy <laughs> answering questions about Boba Fett. <laughs> I did. I did. And you're right. I am a big kid. Yeah. yeah. You admit that. Gengar is the favorite Pokemon, if anyone's wondering. There you go. Yeah. Did I get it right? Boba Fett, though, is your favorite Star Wars, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, so you can. they can literally bring any questions that they want. Uh, it can be about our current ministry that we're working mm-hmm. towards or our future goals. Be the be the first in the substantial know. questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, anything. It can be whatever whatever is wanted. So, if that's something that you're actually interested in, um, kind of just meeting with us in a group and just chatting, and we'd probably mm-hmm. ask you some questions too. Um, we'd love for you to become a patron. There are a few other things we're excited to offer for our patrons. Um, we. I am like, I have been slowly storing blooper things oh, yes. over the course of the last three years I, since we started this. Yeah, I was shocked. She showed me the list yeah. before we started recording. Yeah. And I, I've given you a lot of content. Yes, yes. There's a lot of content. So that's one thing that we're going to put out, basically mm-hmm. a blooper reel for our patrons. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of get access to behind the scenes stuff that yep. was like, didn't make the show, didn't yeah. make the cut. Um, And then we also have recently recorded music so we do music for adoration and feedback we've been getting is you guys should just record and i would seriously listen to like just Mm -hmm. singing i would love to listen to that so we're like oh okay and we did that and we recorded some music and so that's something that we're going to be making available to our patrons to download um is some of the covers that we have done but uh we would like to still let you guys hear it. Mm-hmm. So we've decided that um, we are going to put out a, just a couple of the songs, mm-hmm. not yep. all of them, um, but just a couple of the songs, and they will go live tomorrow, so Thursday, mm-hmm. and they're only going to be available for three days. Only three days. Only three days. Mm-hmm. So um, they will be pulled down Sunday morning, yes. so it, w- it will not be um, available Sunday morning. So... If you are interested, just, you know, set go in and, and set your notification. Make sure you're following mm-hmm. us so that you guys can get notified when those come up on Thursday. Um, but after that, it they're only going to be available to our patrons. We have more than what we're going to yes. make available to you guys. And then, you know, that'll just continue. We'll, we'll keep doing music and stuff and making that, that yeah, available. Yeah, it's so. something we both really enjoy. 
that uh, listeners don't get to hear a yeah. lot of necessarily. So yeah, I thought there was a lot of a lot of fruit and a lot of joy in mm-hmm. just recording it. For sure. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. So if that's something that you're interested in, or if you are just an avid listener. Um, we would love for you to become a patron if you just want to support us and you don't really care about the extra bonus stuff. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would love to have your support. So just go to our website. Yep. as drawnear.me and there's a support button yep. right in the top right corner. Yep. And we actually have three tiers. The, the On Patreon. On Patreon. Yeah. The first one is $5. I believe it's a uh, coffee. Yep. Let's get coffee. Let's get coffee. Yeah. And then the ten dollar level is chit chat and banter, banter, which if you've been listening for a long time, you know the inside you, joke. You know the inside joke with that. Yeah. And I think the twenty dollar level is the super, super fan, fan. Mm-hmm. which is our most popular level, actually. Yes. So you can you can go on and give anything every month, but as low as five dollars a month, and that, that makes you a patron. Yep. And that uh, helps us pay the bills so that we can bring all this discussion and music and all that we do to you absolutely so um for today's topic i am very excited i feel like i say i'm excited about like every topic if there is like a super fan out there i feel like you need to like go back through all of our hundred episodes (laughs) see how many topics i was excited about right right (laughs) um but we've actually kind of tried to avoid like these kind of topics, I feel like controversial topics or a little bit, yeah, a little yeah. more challenging. Yeah, the hot take topics. Yeah, I'm betting the only <laughs> topics you haven't been excited about were the ones I did by myself, and that's only because you couldn't talk about them. You were excited about those, <laughs> but that's a good thing, Kara. That you love what you do. Yeah, yeah. This is the first of of many of uh, topics like this. We have basically decided to take common questions that you as a Catholic might get, or if you're not Catholic, uh, that you might be curious about, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this has just come about, like we've never done this before, but this has just come about for me at least, like just recent things going on in my life mm-hmm. um, that have come up and I'm like, you know what? We should do episodes about that. Yeah. Um, so we're excited. We literally sat down and wrote down, uh, especially this is, this is helpful from Fred's Protestant days. We sat down and wrote here are all of the questions that Catholics get from non-believers, from former Catholics, actually mm-hmm. former Catholics like turn Protestant, turn uh, atheist, whatever, and Protestants. Like here are all of the things that are so misunderstood and that like they're hot button topics that people can kind of press mm-hmm. and ask Catholics about. And as a cradle Catholic, um, we don't always know the answer. That is correct. I yeah. can vouch for that. Yeah, yeah. Although I'm not a cradle Catholic. Just observation. Okay, so. But not you personally. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All the clarifications. It almost sounded like I was insulting you there no, for a minute. Okay. So I had to backtrack a little bit. No, that's good. But as a, a Protestant, like coming from mm-hmm. the Protestant background, uh, can you kind of speak into like when you get asked those questions, like what's the intention? Well, for me, like a lot of like as a Protestant who was studying to become a Protestant pastor, like in that world, there are different schools and different camps. Mm -hmm. Like there were uh, events where, you know, you'd try to partner with the Catholic church on. Like I remember uh, our church doing a pro-life thing with the Catholics and our pastor was very excited about doing that event with Mm -hmm. the the Catholic church, but but then followed that up with, but we need to pray for them because they pray to Mary for salvation. Yeah. And well, that's actually not true. We right. don't pray f- to Mary yeah. for salvation. 
um, how that's framed is incorrect, yeah. you know. Um, and But you'd also find, like, I remember attending a workshop uh, well, I didn't actually attend to it, attend it because I thought it was weird, but it was on as one of the ones I could have gone to it for a training conference. It was Catholic youth, the key to our future growth. Yeah. And I don't know that that's very telling that you have the key to your church growth is snatching away. Yes. Catholics. Yeah. And, and this was like a big Protestant conference. Right. It was yeah, like this was a workshop. And I don't know. You can find. There is a lot of great things ecumenically happening of Mm -hmm. Catholics and Protestants working together. Sometimes there are, you know, Catholics and Protestants can be friends and have a lot of things in common, faith in Christ being one of those. But there can be a sort of anti-Catholicism that's that's baked into some of those things, even without realizing that that's the case. If you hear phrases like, I'm substituting a, religion for a relationship. So when I converted into the, the Catholic faith, that was one of the things I heard was that you're trading a relationship for a religion. Um, that's a common mm-hmm. thing that people will say. But for me, it was the exact opposite, like embracing the fullness of truth that I found in the Catholic church was actually deepening my relationship. Right. It wasn't an opposite. And you can find a course, and this is going to be the big thing we talk about today, uh, it's a man-made tradition, a man-made institution, right? And you kind of have scripture and tradition put against each other, as if they were opposed, and that's just not the true. It's right. just not the case. I like what you said about um, things happening ecumenically. Like I remember in college, and I've I've shared this on our My Lord and My God uh, podcast, but I remember I I would go to things at the non-denomination Protestant church because the Catholic church wasn't necessarily meeting certain certain needs like I wanted to do a bible study I wanted mm-hmm. to lead like praise and worship things like that right and I wanted to have friends who also were faithful and so I started going to a college night so it wasn't their service on the weekends but I started going to a college night at a protestant church and uh, I did enjoy it and because I started leading worship there and I was kind of being like I was a very regular um, participant outcome every week they asked me to be a young adult leader. And so basically what that entails, and they do this very well. They do Mm -hmm. the relationship side of things very, very well. Um, What this entailed for me was I had to go on a retreat with all of the people who were going to be leaders. And it was, it was a blast. Um, That retreat was very fun up until it wasn't. And I'll explain Mm -hmm. that what I mean there. (laughs) Then we were required to also attend a weekly Bible study, which I really liked. And as many of listeners now know, I I like scriptural things. So I enjoyed the Bible study aspect. Um, And then we were also required to lead a book study or Bible study back on our our college campuses. Um, So one thing that came up at the retreat at the start of the year, though, was they had everyone sit around. We were all around the campfire and they had everyone sit around and share uh, basically their first encounters with Christ. And so everyone else was going and they were sharing and the idea was like, okay, offer support, affirmation, ask questions like about Mm -hmm. the person's prayer life, about their faith, whatever. And then it got to me and my initial encounters were Catholic things. Mm -hmm. It was adoration. It was masses. And so when I shared those from a positive perspective, like, you know, I really encountered Christ at this, um, then it turned into... Instead of 
receiving the same responses uh, from everyone else and them asking clarifying questions or them wanting to get to know my story a little bit more. It was, oh, you're Catholic. What do you believe about faith and works? <laughs> In front of everyone. And that's just right at the most yeah, yeah. difficult question. Yeah. Okay. The most difficult question, not a pastoral approach from the pastor um, mm. or from at least the, the college pastor. Mm. And in front of everyone, and I also was not at a place in my faith where I had any clue, like, right. what are you talking about, faith and works? Like, because their understanding of of our sacramental life is like, oh, we, we're, we're working for our salvation by going to all of these things and doing all of these mm. things and whatever. And so I was like, I, I don't, you know, and I, f- right. I was very tongue tied and I felt like an idiot if I'm yeah. being honest. Yeah. And so it like ruined the rest of it for me because I just felt really stupid and out of place. Um, and then when I finally, after I think it was probably like six or seven months, decided to stop going to the leadership You things, hung in there for seven months. I did. I wow. did. And then they started planning like um, a Christian worship service with like big name music people. And I was like, mm. I should probably bow out because I don't really like have buy-in for this. So I stopped going and um, that same pastor reached out to me and was like, hey, do you want to grab coffee or something? And so we met at our college bookstore and and we grabbed a cup of coffee and um, it wasn't pastoral again. Mm-hmm. It was because uh, I was like, you know, I just felt like I needed to do more things at my church. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah, yeah, about that. And then it turned into, oh no, what do you believe as about salvation? Hmm. Um, as Catholics, what do you believe about salvation? And that also made me very uncomfortable. And then I had a friend in college who I'm actually very grateful for this question because I think that was because I was actually friends with this person. So I didn't need a pastoral approach. I appreciated the question. Um, It was, you know, why do you guys worship Mary? Mm -hmm. And as I kind of explained, I felt a little bit more prepared to explain Mary as I started explaining. The response was, well, I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. I was like. I don't really know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Like, so uh, I feel like some of those questions are um, are very common questions yeah, are. as Catholics that we might get if we are actually joining in in this ecumenical approach, like getting mm-hmm. to know our Christian brothers and sisters. Yeah, and we're gonna pick up some of those more difficult questions. Yeah, in upcoming episodes of Draw Near Salvation, Faith, and Works, that was kind of a teaser. Yeah, actually, wasn't it? Um, we are picking up salvation. Um, we're doing, yep, faith and works. We're doing, what do you believe about Mary? Why do you pray to saints? All of those like common questions. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a whole list of some of those things and we are planning to pick those up. But today is going to be about um, authority. Mm-hmm. And so Fred, do you kind of want to explain that? Yeah. So as a, as a Protestant, one of the things I always heard and got hung up on was the, the matter of authority, especially when it came to interpretation of scripture, um, which Kara, I know you love scripture. You talk about it often. You've done the scriptural shorties, but a lot of your imp- interpretations and what you use in those episodes comes from what? It comes from the church's teaching, right. the church's authority teaching that. Right. But what I encountered oftentimes was a sense of scripture versus tradition. Mm-hmm. you know, that one was opposed to the other. That scripture, we believe that scripture is alone the inherent word of God. Yeah. And as a Catholic, we, we recognize that scripture actually grew out of tradition. Right. 
because it's out of tradition that we got the canon of scripture mm -hmm. establishing, you know, what books are actually the Bible. Right. And I think also that that dichotomy between scripture and tradition is actually it's a pretty false dichotomy. Mm -hmm. I mean, even in the Jewish faith that our Christian faith grew out of, right. you had the oral law and the written law. You still had that scripture and tradition. So that is earliest in our foundations. But one of the things, common objections we often heard there too was uh, that Catholics believe the Pope has the final authority. Mm. He has the final say. And, and that's what creeds that profess we believe scripture alone is the 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 authority yeah. inerrant word of god that's what they're pointing at is it, it, it baked into that is that accusation that catholics believe that the pope is the final authority and that it's that's actually not true right. the reality is that scripture tradition and the magisterium is the fancy church word for that that's the pope and the bishops in union with him that's the key actually together serve to hand on the authentic yeah. interpretation of scripture. I like what you said, how scripture actually grew from tradition, um, because tradition is not a man-made thing. It's literally the Great Commission. Jesus says, go forth, therefore, baptizing the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching right. all that I've taught you. Mm -hmm. Like That's tradition. They are going out and they are teaching what Jesus has said. So this is actually in scripture itself. It's Second Thessalonians chapter 2. It's verse 15. And this reads, So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Mm -hmm. So word of mouth is the big T tradition going on and teaching it. Mm -hmm. And then letter is scripture. Like when we have letters written by Paul, the things in the letters are the things he's teaching by his mouth. Right, like that's right. tradition. Yeah. So I like that you pointed mm. that out. Yeah, those things are scripture now because they did them. We made them. Exactly. But at the same time, you do have, you see examples of tradition in action, the magisterium, yeah. the authority of the church in handling a situation in action in Acts 15, which, funny enough, as we're recording this, is the readings for today. Yeah, I love it. You know, um, great debate emergence over whether or not the Gentiles should be circumcised, uh, circumcised or mm -hmm. not. And what happens? They have a council. They bring together the leaders of what, Kara? The, the, the church. church. Mm -hmm. And the decision is made. It seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Well, that's exactly what the magisterium is, the living teaching office of the church, mm -hmm. exercising their authority with the help of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promises what the Holy Spirit would lead and guide mm -hmm. into all truth and reveal that truth. And then when a decision is made, scripture literally says, and Peter stood. So like right. among those in authority, Peter had a specific place. Right. There is one higher. Kara, if we look at what the church teaches, they actually point to that. Uh, I'm going to quote a church document, if you'll excuse the, the geekery. Is that a word? We need to. We need to <laughs> quote, quote church document. But it says the Pope is not above the word of God, but serves it. Not above above the word of God, but serves it. Right. And his authority is exercised in what? In the name of Jesus Christ. That's the Pope and the bishops in union with him. So let, led and guided by the Holy Spirit, looking at the church's teaching over the course of the many centuries, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that's how they exercise their authority and deciding what is true, what is a proper interpretation and so on. I remember, I feel like I need to point this out. I remember um, we were doing a ministry thing. I remember somebody's comment was on authority. And I feel like when we talk about authority, like to say the magisterium is you know, the teaching arm of the church. Like they're the ones who, who with the help of the Holy Spirit interpret scripture, hand on tradition to say that it's like, maybe our minds today would be like, well, who are they to do that? Because I feel like authority has almost become this like crushing word um, where it's like, we live in a world where it's like, people want to, I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to do me. Like Mm. I should have control over what I do. So to think that somebody else we have to humble ourselves so somebody else has control or more power in that. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like this is like not a concept people enjoy in right. today's world. And that goes all the way back to the very beginning. Yeah. The serpent's question, has God really said? Right. I mean, that that is it. And you mentioned my conversion at the start. That is the very thing that got me. Initially, I had questions about scripture Mm -hmm. that nobody could answer. Yeah. John chapter six and John chapter 20 in particular. Yeah. Uh, John chapter six, we're actually getting ready to cover on my Lord, my God. So you can check that out. But uh, in John chapter six, Jesus says, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. (laughs) In John chapter 20, he is after the resurrection. He breathes on them. They receive the Holy Spirit. And he says, the authority I have, I give to you. Mm -hmm. Whosoever sins you forgive shall be forgiven. And whosoever you don't, you retain. retain. And so I had problems with that scripture passage. For one thing, if you don't read it with a Catholic understanding, which I clearly wasn't, it makes no sense. Like, why is it even in there? Right. Even if you know nothing about the Catholic faith, which I didn't at the time, it's even more confusing. Mm -hmm. And I would ask my pastors and and even at school uh, before I you know found some new professors mm-hmm. um, what does it mean and everyone would come back with it depends on your interpretation of scripture mm-hmm. and that's what the Catholics use to justify confession yeah or Eucharist in John chapter 6's uh, example yeah but that's not an, a satisfying answer because it's not an answer right that's the scripture. Catholics use to justify confession. Okay, fine. What do we believe about it? Right. Because it makes no sense whatsoever to us. Yeah. And uh, and I was tired of not getting an answer to that question and, and encountering stuff like which matters more, the author's intent, the text itself, or Your the reader's interpretation. Yeah. You know, all these questions, which are legitimate hermeneutics, that's a fancy word, questions for this but hermeneutics meaning yeah yeah the biblical the study of scripture yeah. um what what does it mean and i kept coming back to there has to be some authority to say what it means especially you find that with paul even peter said paul was hard to understand sometimes oh yeah look it up it's in there first peter i yeah. promise there has to be someone to interpret this yeah. to help us to guide us guided by the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth, right? Right. And that's the authority of the church. And I remember remember we were at this event and somebody had made a comment and they had printed something off that I think was Protestant website. Mm -hmm. They printed something off and we're reading it and basically it was tying 
that the hierarchy of the church or the authority of the church didn't come about until hundreds of years after Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I was not in a position at this role to teach or correct. I was really just like Mm -hmm. the MC facilitator. So um, somebody, but somebody else like from the crowd was like, didn't Jesus instill a hierarchy in his apostles? Right. Yeah. And so I was grateful for this person to kind Mm -hmm. of, do the correcting there because that's not like an uncommon thing to think of you know the heavens instilling some kind of authority and order Mm -hmm. into how we worship like you even see not just even looking at authority you even see the order of things in the entire book of leviticus like he cares about how we worship after the golden calf he cares about how the camp is set up like who's closest to the tabernacle you know when david or when solomon builds the temple he cares about those little, those different courts and all of those things. Like there is an order to how we are called to worship. There's also an order in the authority and the hierarchy. He is a God of order. Yes, he is. Yeah. And that order doesn't go out the window because our culture isn't a culture of order. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And so I kind of want to point to the old Testament um, connections uh, on authority because we see this in scripture. Like first, First, I want to look at the Old Testament to show that like it's not a new concept when he starts um, when he starts placing people in authority in the New Testament. Um, if you look at Exodus twenty four, Exodus twenty four is uh, is Moses and he's on is it Mount Sinai. He goes up the mountain mm-hmm. and you see that there's already a hierarchy in order. It talks about the one, the three, the 12, and the 70 in this passage Mm -hmm. in Exodus 70. Those numbers should sound familiar. Yeah, yeah. in Exodus 24. Um, Those numbers should sound familiar. The one, the three, the 12, and the 70, 100%. So in the Old Testament, um, Moses, basically we can put Moses like as uh, Jesus is a new Moses. Mm. So let's put them kind of together. And the one is the high priest, Aaron. The three is Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. The 12, it says in the scriptures, the 12 priestly young men at 12 pillars. Okay, so 12 is already like a priestly number, mm. and it it's re- relevant to Israel, the 12 tribes. Okay, so 12 is an important number. Authority, funny enough. And it means authority, yes. Yeah, the yeah. authority in it is related to priesthood. And then the 70, all right? Exodus 24 talks about priestly elders of Israel. There are 70. Mm. So then jump to... Jesus Christ. These are all from the book of Luke. And I'll give you I'll give you citations. I'll put them in the show notes if you want. But it's the same numbers, the one, the three, the twelve, and the seventy. So we have Jesus, who is the new Moses. The one is Peter. Like we talk about Peter as the first pope, as the rock of the church. The one is Peter. It's in Luke 22, uh, verse 31 to 32. The three is Peter, James, and John. It's no secret mm-hmm. that th- like they're kind of the favorites. John mm-hmm. writes in his gospel, I am the favorite, beloved one. The beloved disciple. <laughs> the beloved disciple. Um, they are the ones who went up the mountain with him to the transfiguration. So, How would you feel, Kara, if I referred to myself undraw near? For the rest of its existence. As God's will. As the beloved host. You do joke, though, <laughs> that God loves you, but I'm his favorite. So it's kind of like you're already doing That's that. That's true. <laughs> you already do that. But it's true for you, too. It's true for everybody. We're all his favorites. Um, so he has the one in Peter, the three, Peter, James, and John. Obviously, the 12 mm-hmm. in the 12 disciples that he has appointed. That's Luke 9, Luke 22. And then the 70, the appointed 70 and then he sends them out, Luke 10, um, verse 1 and verse 17. So it's not a new concept that there is a hierarchy. There mm-hmm. is authority. And the same goes for Jesus Christ's church, which is the Catholic church. 
carried on through tradition and scripture that we have this continued authority in the bishops, in the pope, in the priests. It's like it's the one, the, the three and the 70 right. and the you know yeah. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, a lot of that, so I mentioned John chapter six yeah. earlier as part of my struggle. For me, a lot of overcoming that was seeing that that authority was handed on to someone. Yeah. And I saw that in Ignatius of Antioch, who, if you read his, so for those of you that aren't familiar, he was a disciple of the apostle John. So probably he would know things, right? You find in Ignatius of Antioch's writings, very, very strong Eucharistic language Mm -hmm. referring to the Eucharist in a way like we would today, but you also find the word Catholic for the first time. You also find uh, talk of bishops and mm-hmm. such in a in a way more like what we have. And so for me, when I came upon that, it was like kind of a light bulb moment of who should I be listening to? Yeah, somebody, you know, fifteen hundred years down the line, or somebody that was an actual disciple of. Yeah. An apostle an himself. Apostle. And there's some value in that because that that's exactly when we say tradition, we're talking about not just man-made interpretations. Right. This is Holy Spirit inspired interpretation. Handed on by the apostles. Handed on. It's the teaching of the apostles themselves mm-hmm. that was later in many cases written down, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that's what scripture was. So right. like uh, I think it's First Timothy three sixteen says all of Scripture is inspired mm-hmm. and, and capable of uh, encouragement and rebuke and all that kind of stuff. I'm badly paraphrasing that, but that's what it says. But think about the time Paul is writing that when he says that all of Scripture is inspired. He's not talking about First Timothy mm-hmm. when he says that. That's literally what he's writing. Right. He's talking about the Old Testament at that point. Right. But what he's doing is writing scripture. So that's what I said earlier about tradition, scripture growing right out of tradition. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we mean. That's how the canon was finalized. You even had early church documents like the Didache, for example. Right. Look it up. It's pretty awesome. That was a collection of all the stuff that the apostles taught. Right. And when you read it now, it's like, wow, this isn't scripture because it sounds so much like scripture. Mm-hmm. And um, so you see that process of exactly what you're talking about happening right from the very beginning. Right. I do want to point out, Kara, this was something that got me early on um, scripture passage. It's first Timothy three fifteen. St. Paul says, uh, if I'm delayed, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. In other words, if, if I'm not there with you, look to these teachings. He mm-hmm. says, which is the church the of the living God. And what does he say next? It's, it's very telling. The pillar and bulwark of truth. Paul refers to the church herself as the pillar and bulwark of mm-hmm. truth. That's speaking directly to that authoritative teaching and interpretation of Scripture. For those who don't know, um, a bulwark is like basically the a, like a line of defense. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So the church is the line of defense yeah. if you don't, if he's not there. I used to teach RCIA, uh, which those of you that aren't familiar, RCIA is for people that want to become Catholic. It's like nine months of school. Study. Yeah. Study, becoming mm-hmm. Catholic. It's 
usually better than how I just described it. I you're, promise. You're learning the beauty of the church, church the traditions. Yes, yep, yeah. yeah. And ideally you're being mentored in the faith. But anyways, um, I used to use this illustration that was almost like an eyeball looking outward. And what that eyeball is looking at is tradition and scripture. Well, maybe is there a way we can put this image in the show notes? I to have help? no idea. Okay. Look in the show notes because you might see this. You can see like the the magisterium is that eyeball. The Holy Spirit is the lens over that eyeball looking onto scripture and tradition, which we understand as both to be together the word of God. Mm-hmm. When we say the word of God, we're talking about scripture and tradition, but it's the magisterium through the lens of the Holy Spirit looking on the word of God, scripture and tradition that we come to see and understand God himself, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It does. Another way to look at this, that that relationship between scripture, tradition, and the magisterium is like a three-legged stool. Each are important in order for you to sit, right? Right. You take off one or both of those legs, you can't sit. The, the church says, it, from that same document earlier, sacred tradition, sacred tr- scripture, and the teaching authority of the church in accord with God's most wise design are so linked and joined together that one cannot stand without the others, and that all together, each in their own way, under the action of the Holy Spirit, contribute effectively to the salvation of souls. Mm -hmm. Meaning, all are needed for the salvation of souls. So we're not just talking about whether or not you can sit on a stool or not. Mm -hmm. We're talking about whether or not souls get saved or not. Yeah. I like that. I think it relates a lot to what you said that you struggled with too, like the response that you, that you would always get would be, well, it depends on your interpretation. Right. Well, yeah. that that's taking one of those legs out. Exactly. And I was not happy with that answer. And it's harmful to ultimately your eternal soul. Right. Amen. <laughs> Going that far. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, like you can't expect that every single thing is in scripture. You really can't. So when it's like, you, you know, when you see scripture as the sole authority and teaching of the faith, there are so many things that were handed on that cannot be in there mm. just for what it, I think you were the one who said this, like all of the teachings of Jesus Christ couldn't be contained in yeah, every single book ever written. Yeah. John says that at the end of the gospel, yeah. all that he do- had, had done. Yeah. You won't find the word Trinity. Right. In scripture. You won't find incarnation in you, scripture. Yes. And yet those are true, correct? Yeah. Absolutely they're true. Yep. How do we know them? That's the church exercising her authority, yep. guided by the Holy Spirit. That is the most important thing. Yeah. Guided by the Holy Spirit. Kind of off topic, but that's that'll be the argument for purgatory. Purgatory is nowhere in scripture. It's like, yeah, but a lot of other Christian right. beliefs are also not in scripture. Right. However, the church hands them on. Well, thank you, John. John's gospel, he says exactly what I wanted to say. You can't put everything Jesus taught. Like I, I refer back to Acts, and I think I said this in one of the episodes of My Lord and My God. In Acts, it talks about how for 40 days and 40 nights Jesus taught about the kingdom before he ascended into heaven. And that's all it tells us about what he said for 40 days and 40 nights. And so I I mean, I have to believe that perhaps they're in future writings that Paul did and that are in, in the New Testament, um, you know, from John, from Peter. But... They are not in that moment in Acts. Like you can't put everything in scripture. And so where else do we get the truth? It has to be from an authority. Right. And this is exactly why the church refers to scripture and tradition as one divine wellspring. Right. One divine wellspring where which we find 
Christ himself. We find the word of God. So we know that sacred scripture, who's the author of sacred scripture? The Holy Spirit. Yeah, God himself. He he used the gifts and talents of the writers, but ultimately it was God that inspired. And the church teaches all that it says is were things necessary for our salvation. Right. So the debate about creation, that's a classic one, which maybe we'll pick that topic up. I don't know. That'd be a good one. That would be a good one. Is the Bible making the claim to be a literal 24-hour, seven days, seven mm-hmm. days of creation? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's not a science book. Yeah. But there is some pretty amazing... You talked about God being a God of order. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some very profound theological and spiritual truths in the order yes. of which how those days of creation are laid out. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. So this is why the church says all of the truths necessary for our salvation are that which has been revealed in scripture. Right. Which then shows you too, like the things that the church understands, like when we have the magisterium, the magisterium is taking the authority to interpret scripture as well as the tradition that has been handed on to solve some of the questions that have come up throughout all of history. Like what you referenced in Acts 15 about mm-hmm. the the problem with circumcision. Do you have to be circumcised in order to be a believer? Who answers those questions? Yeah. Like, where is that in the Old Testament? It's the answer would be yes. Which would have been scripture for them. Which would have been scripture for them. Exactly. So you have to have uh, an understanding and you have Mm -hmm. to have somebody who has that authority to then take up those questions that have come up throughout all of history. Those are all of the councils in the church. Yeah. And that I think that's the hard part of the whole scripture alone yeah. sort of argument is, first of all, you don't see that phrase scripture alone in scripture anywhere. Right. Secondly, oftentimes what they're talking about is scripture, like all of scripture is inspired. They're not talking about scripture the same way we are now. Like it still applies. It's still true. Yes, all of scripture is inspired. But it was different for Paul. And so what we see in Acts 15 is literally the magisterium at work. Yeah. It's almost like God is saying, you're going to need this. It's, yeah. It is that Holy Spirit at work, the living teaching office of the church, helping us to know and understand how to interpret the scriptures better, how to understand what is our tradition. Mm-hmm. And um, I think this is also, Kara, why the church gives us some rules, if you will, for interpreting scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, From my experience, it typically doesn't always work well if it's me, God, and the Bible alone. No, I I agree. There can easily be, and there has been in many times over history, uh, some misinterpretations. I think, too, the attitude toward tradition always being a bad thing overlooks the fact that we all come at scripture with a tradition we all read something into the text. Mm -hmm. So then it goes back to that question that I was challenged with. It depends on your interpretation. Well, no, it depends on authority. Yeah. Who's the author of scripture? Who inspired it? What is he trying to communicate? So this is why the church hands us some rules uh, that come from a great document. Let's link it in the show notes because unlike most church documents, it's actually a pretty easy and short read. Okay. It's called Dei Verbum. When studying scripture, we should accompanying, accompany that with prayer. And I love how Dei Verbum says this, so that God and man may talk and walk together. Mm-hmm. Accompany our reading with prayer. We should always seek what God wanted to ve- reveal through the authors for our salvation. 
what was God trying to communicate? Mm -hmm. We should also always see scripture as a unified whole centered on Christ. The catechism says all of scripture is one book. That book is love. That book is Christ. All points back to Christ. We should also read scripture within the living tradition of the church. What has the church said about this? Now, there are areas, Kara, where we're allowed to speculate Mm -hmm. for personal uh, spiritual reasons, like when we do a lexio Mm -hmm. on a scripture passage, God may speak, but that's private revelation. Uh, But we should always look to the church for helping us to understand. Otherwise, again, John 20, that passage I struggled with makes no sense. And we should also always be mindful of that inner harmony of truths between all the different scripture passages. Yeah. Because there is. There's not, if what you're coming to contradicts something else, then why? And we need to find that out why. That's always something that I struggled with because in the context of when I would be challenged with questions, I did not really have scripture to back anything up, but I felt like like the people challenging me always did, but it would be one verse. And as I started reading scripture more, mm. I read the context of that verse. Right. I was like, wait a second. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I like that. Like you have to read it in the whole of scripture yeah. and yeah. in the context. The fancy word of drawing the meaning from the scripture and how it applies to our life is exegesis. Yes, yes. And I think a lot of times problem is that so many people come at scripture and do isogesis. Isogesis means I'm reading what I want it to say Mm -hmm. into the scripture to justify whatever. And I've heard and seen some crazy things of people doing just that. Maybe that would be like a good podcast episode, Kara. True true confessions from... (laughs) Of what you've heard. Of recovering uh, Protestant (laughs) evangelical... Um, I don't know. And maybe if maybe if you're someone that's listening and you're finding these questions coming your way, I would like really search out, but yeah. search in the right places. Yeah. Because there's a lot of garbage on the internet mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people out there. And I can tell you from personal experience, I used to love praying on the poor Catholics who didn't really know Jesus because they weren't Christian. Yeah. You know, and I don't mean this as a personal attack on Protestants, not at all. Um, I just mean we should seek the truth with our whole heart Mm -hmm. where it can be found. Yeah, and I think the same, though, goes for our Protestant brothers and sisters because when I was looking into some of the questions that we were going to be talking about, it's like I was reading through Protestant articles and I just found myself saying, that's not what we believe. Right. Like, that's not true. And Mm -hmm. so I think so much, too, of, of... what they see from us as, you know, Catholics aren't Christians or you guys worship Mary or you guys, you know, whatever it might mm. be. It just is a, a lot of it is coming from misconceptions. They are. They really are. Like anytime you read a lot of those sort of anti-Catholic whatever, yeah. a lot of times the way they articulate our beliefs are wildly inaccurate. Inaccurate. Yes. They're just not true. Yep. I agree. Mm. So I like that. Yeah. I like that advice that you give Fred. So look in the right places if you are getting mm-hmm. these questions. And also don't don't be afraid in the moment to be like, you know, I, I don't have the answer for you. But that does not mean that there is not an answer and that the church doesn't have an answer. Right. It, right. It's okay to admit we don't have it, but don't don't then think, okay, I'm just going to throw out right. baby with bathwater. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of great resources out there. 
Uh, we'll link some in the show notes. Catholic Answers is one that comes to mind. Yeah. Kara, early in my adventure, a book called Catholicism and Fundamentalism uh, was one I read. And um, there's a few others. Carl. Well, Rome Sweet Home is a good one. Rome for, Sweet like, Home. I would yep. say for more of the beginners, like mm-hmm. looking for the testimony. Because Scott Hahn has a very similar story of like trying to steal Catholics as well. Yeah. 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 I remember literally trying to do that. So, yeah. Um, yeah so. And then I'll link. Um, we did two shows. One of them was a draw near show on the papacy. So the authority of the Pope. Mm-hmm. And then one of them was a My Lord and My God episode on the priesthood. So we'll put both of those in the show notes as well if you want to kind of go further with the study of authority. Mm hmm. And Kara, before we wind the show up, we have some news for them. We do. So after 100 episodes, <laughs> we have decided that we are going to be doing seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so this will be our final episode of, I don't know, season, season one. Season whatever this is. We'll whatever, call it season one. We'll call it season works. one after 100 episodes. Yeah. Um, we have naturally been taking breaks over the summer and, and like putting out shorty series. Mm-hmm. Uh, things, but we're trying to do the Lord's will mm-hmm. and we're pausing some of the things that God is asking mm-hmm. us to pause so right. that we can focus yep. on his will. Yeah. Um, so right now for this summer, he's asking us to pause, draw near, um, and we will pick it back up for season two, August 23rd. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing about a three year long season, but it's Isn't okay. Crazy? It is crazy. <laughs> August 23rd, and I know we're just like dropping this bomb on them at the end of an episode. Hopefully you got to the end of this episode. Um, So we'll pick it back up in August. So mark your calendars for the start of it. But this, these are the topics we are going to pick up in the next season. Mm. It is going to be taking these questions and really diving into, um, yeah, into the scriptural proof, um, the answers that the church teaches into so many of these questions that... Often we are challenged with, or maybe we've never been directly challenged, but like how would, as Catholics, how do we respond? Mm -hmm. We tend to be, and try to be, very led by the Holy Spirit. So if if there's anything that comes up that you feel moved, inspired in the realm of bonus content over the summer, I'm sure we'll post, but it is no promise. Right. And as we are away for the next couple months, um, we are going to be working towards what the Lord has called us to. And if you're curious what that is, please listen to our I See a Movement episode. Um, But in that time, if you do feel called to support us, uh, please go visit that support button on our website, drawnear.me, and become a patron. 